Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. To be back with you and go ahead and let's get to work. Turn to John 15, 5. John 15, 5. We're in our third week of the series called I Am Jesus. Not that I am Jesus if you're new. Um, but Jesus made several I Am statements claiming that he was God. So you may say he was a good God, just a teacher, maybe a prophet. He didn't think that. He said, I'm God. I am God in the flesh. Come to earth. And we're going to look at uh, one of the statements he made today when he said, I am the vine. Look at John 15, 5. There's a story of a missionary named Herbert Jackson. And Herbert took over uh, this missionary uh, um, um, role in another country for an older missionary. And he comes in and um, as he takes over the role, he's actually given a car. It's like the token missionary car. Um, and it's a jalopy. Anybody ever drove a jalopy before? You're driving one now? Amen. See that hand? See that hand? Amen. God bless you all. Um, I got my hand raised too. I have no air condition. Praying summer holds off. And that's how Herbert was too. Right? And so anyway, he gets in the car and the car will not crank. So he turns and turns and finally he figures out if he parks the car on a hill and pushes the car down the hill, hops in and pops the clutch, it's going to start. You know you've done that before, right? Okay, if you haven't, you've not lived life yet. So for two years, Herbert's doing this. He's popping the clutch. He's trying to get this car started. And um, he's working so hard at it. It's very tiring. Well, the older missionary comes back uh, to, the, to the area and he sees Herbert doing this. He says, son, what are you doing? He says, I'm starting the car. You gave me a car that wouldn't start well. He says, oh my gosh. He said, pop the, pop the hood. He gets under the hood. He wiggles some cables. Pops in, turns it, and it cranks up and goes. He says, Herbert, your problem was you had a loose connection to the battery. The problem wasn't the clutch. It's you had a loose connection and you were trying much harder than you need to. See, many times in our spiritual lives, we strive and we try and it gets tiresome and we're just like doing and doing and we're worn out because we're trying so hard when it shouldn't be that hard. We're trying to be a good Christian. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. And we're popping the clutch. It's because many of us have a loose connection and we don't understand it. And what Jesus said to the disciples in John 15 was, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And he speaks about this connection. And what I want to do for a few minutes this morning is talk to you about that. Look at John 15, 5. I'm going to draw your attention to that first. He says, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. God, once again, we just thank you for a chance to gather together, to worship you. Lord, to high-five each other. Um, Lord, to encourage each other. Um, Lord, we ask right now as we gather, right now listening to your word, that you would open our hearts up. Remove any distraction. May our minds be engaged with what you're saying. And we pray that you'd help us to understand the truth of this passage here and help us to regain that connection, God. And it's in the good name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said with me, amen, amen. John 15 is Jesus' last words to his disciples. If you've ever been around a family member or someone giving their last words, they're usually very important. They don't waste those. Uh, my grandfather in his last days gave some very important last words to his family. He said, I want to see my family saved and a revival break out in the church that he was in. And so I preached at that at his funeral. It was his last words that he had. Uh, Jesus' last words to his disciples were very important. 
He was sitting down with them for the Last Supper that you guys have seen the pictures. Um, you've, you've heard of that. It's the last meal. And so he's sharing these last words. And in that, he shares about this mis, mis, uh, mystical uh, view of the vine and the branches. And I want to look at that in John 15, 1 through 8. I'm going to read that together. Then we're going to break it down. But watch what he says to them in his last message to his disciples. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. I'm going to explain that. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me, Jesus said. Verse 5 says, yes, I am the vine. Again, he iterates, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do how much? That's not a lot, is it? To anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and it withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. And I'm going to explain this too. This is awesome. And it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. Now what I want to do is break this passage down for you and give you four secrets of the vine and the branches. Now what you you have to realize is that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is the inner circle, the inner group. And he's preparing them for the trials to come, the things that are going to come when they're martyred and killed for their, their faith. He's not speaking to unbelievers here. Everybody in this passage are Christ followers. And so I want to break that down about what that means for me and you. And here's the first point you want to write in your notes this morning. And it's this, we are called to bear more fruit. Right in your notes, we are called to bear more fruit. Look at John 15, verse 1 and 2. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. Jesus there gives you the, the picture of two types of disciples. One that's a branch that doesn't bear fruit, and then he gives you the picture of one that does bear fruit. And so he gives the, the idea to his disciples that God works in the heart of believers in two major ways. One is purging and one is pruning. Why? To bear fruit. Now I want you to realize in this context, um, Jesus isn't speaking about fruit of the Spirit. And so you may want to go there and think, you know, fruit is just being a good person, having good moral character and doing good things for the church. That's not the fruit he's talking about. Um, let me ask you a question because if you don't know what the fruit is, this, won't, this will be fruitless. <laughs> no pun intended. Actually it was. How many of you guys have ever seen a, a tree grab its own fruit and eat it? Has anybody ever seen that? Okay, really good. Okay, I'm say, if you raise your hands, like Revelation 28 says don't lie. Um, or bad things happen, so don't lie. I've never seen a tree do that, have you? But I have seen people who are not trees walk up to a tree and grab the apple or the pear or whatever it may be. We went apple picking last fall in the mountains, in the orchards there. And we grabbed the fruit and we ate that. We weren't part of that tree, were we? Okay, you guys, okay, you guys are good this morning. You're on your own task, paying great attention. So if fruit here is symbolic for us, it must be that the fruit is meant for those who aren't part of the vine. 
The fruit is for those who don't yet know Christ. Okay, some of you guys are getting that. Um, what Jesus is saying is, disciples, when you bear fruit, people who are not believers will come and eat of your fruit and your words you share, the good deeds you do, and they will come to know me. That's what Jesus is speaking about bearing fruit. Well, why would he say that? He wasn't just telling them to be good people. And the reason is, there's about 100 core disciples with 12 being the, the inner circle there. You follow me? And if they did not bear fruit, share the love of God with non-believers, this movement would have died in the first century. He didn't need them huddling up and doing Bible studies and patting each other on the back. He needed them going out and sharing the gospel and sharing the good news of the kingdom. And so he establishes here that fruit matters. For instance, and my wife is here with me today, so she, and she gave me permission to do this. When we just moved into our new house in Richmond, and when we got there, I noticed that there's a couple of really big, like, tree-looking things that little, I don't know, man, I don't know what they are, to be honest with you, they're just big, I mean, they're like, almost my size, which to me, that's big, to me, that's not. And I, when we first got there, I said, babe, should, should I cut these things down? She's like, no, 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 I like them, they're big. I was like, okay, okay, I'll give, them, I'll, I'll, I'll give them some time. And I watched, and as I watched, I watched these little buds come up, I got excited, I was like, maybe it's, it's some, bloom out some really cool flowers. It just bloomed out more leaves. It kept blooming. So I kept waiting, and I was like this tall. So yesterday, I'm like, man, this thing has not produced any of the fruit that I want, which is flowers, all right? I love flowers. Some people in here don't like flowers, and I will pray for their marriages, men in here. Because women like for you to work in the garden to make the garden look good. If you do, your marriage will last a long time, Alan Massey. I'm not saying any names. And so anyway, I, I, I chopped this thing down because you know what it's doing? You know what it's doing? It's not bearing fruit. It's actually taking the rest of the, the, the water and the, the nutrients from the other plants that are bearing fruit and it's not helping them. It's taking from them. And so I chopped it down because it wasn't bearing any fruit. So the first thing, Jesus says, you have some disciples, they're like branches. It's not from that tree. This is a branch from my backyard. And what I got from this as I begin to study is it must be the disciples that always consume but never contribute. I know I got really quiet there. What is a branch that doesn't bear fruit? It's taking in sunlight. It's taking in water. The tree's having to distribute it to this, to this branch, but there's no fruit coming off of it. It's consuming, but it's never contributing. And Jesus says that if we're a branch disciple, we're always consuming but never contributing, that he's got to do a purging work in your life. Which means he's got to go in and he says he's going he's to cut it off. Now, what I don't mean by this, I want you to hear me here. Because I've heard good, well-intentioned preachers say, if you don't bear fruit for the kingdom, he's going to cut you off and send you to hell. So then, like, the altars are full every week, right? Oh, God, I want to bear fruit. I want to go to hell. Right? You been there? Scared to death? I'm not bearing enough fruit. He's a... He gives you the picture of a disciple that's not bearing fruit, but they're part of the vine. Right? They're believers. They're Christ followers. They're not bearing fruit. Then he gives you the other picture of a disciple who wants to bear fruit. Now, I want you to follow me for a second. He says, I'm going to cut them off. Now, I personally don't mean that, that God's going to cut you off from his love and he's going he's to cast you out of the kingdom into hell. I don't believe if you're a follower of Christ, he's going to do that to you because you're not bearing fruit. But I do believe this. If you have disciple A, who bears no fruit, he's a branch. He's a branch. They consume, never contribute. Then you have disciple B, who they're not perfect. They got some issues just like me. I got lots of issues. My wife said, 
Amen? Amen. You hear that? So, uh, but they really want to contribute for the kingdom. They want to do something for God, and they're over here. And so they're really trying. You got this person over here who doesn't really care. They're nominal believers. They come, sit, soak, leave. Good enough for them. And so they're there doing that. I believe cutting off in that sense is going to be that God is going to redistribute resources to those who care about the kingdom. If he's got Johnny, who Johnny really wants to, to feed the homeless, and Johnny wants to help people, and Johnny wants to make an impact for the kingdom, I believe God will say, look, dude, i got to get some resources to you, bro, because you're going to help people. Where he looks at this other disciple who's a branch, he's like, well, if you give me resources, I'm just going to buy a boat, and then I won't even come on Sundays. All right. You see what I'm saying? And so Jesus says that there's some disciples that are like a branch that never bear fruit, and he has to purge them. He has to purge them. Again, the cutting off, we're not exactly sure what that means, but I gave you my idea. The pruning part, and here's what I like here. Jesus says if you are bearing fruit, he's going to prune you to bear more fruit. Now, that word prune there is the same Greek word called cardia, which means heart. Cardio. I know cardio. He's my good friend on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We hang out. And so what happens is, if you're a believer that wants to, that's bearing some fruit, and you're really trying, and you want to um, bear fruit and reach people far from God, and you have a heart from that, then God's going to do a work in your heart to bear more fruit. That means he's going to cut some things out of your life that you thought were good, but were hindering you in the mission that God has for you. In a loving, graceful way, he's going to do some heart surgery on you to help you so you can bear more fruit for his kingdom. And so you have to establish, first of all, am I bearing fruit? And what's the fruit again? The fruit's for those who aren't yet part of the vine. And we've got to have a heart for people that are far from God, that don't know Jesus. They're not our enemy. God loves, I mean, think of the most wretched person you can think of. But you think they're nasty, degrading. Maybe they hate God. I think of that Bill Meyer, Mayer guy on HBO. Sometimes I want to like pray in precatory psalms against him. If you know what that is, look, Google it. But God loves him so much and wants to go after him. He wants to use somebody to reach him. He wants to have a disciple that wants to bear fruit. I mean, th- I mean, think about it. You are all uh, here today because either somebody invited you or somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody bore fruit. And I think the thing is, we've got to get out of that place where, where we're all about ourselves and we get in the holy huddles and read the Bible and we'll worship for hours, but we never share the gospel with people far from God. We view them as the enemy or even a nuisance in our life. And I believe the Lord loves and cares and wants his disciples to bear fruit, sharing the good news, sharing the love of Jesus everywhere we go. So I've got to ask you a question. When's the last time you sat with someone who doesn't know Jesus and shared a meal with them? And didn't condemn them? And didn't tell them what to not do and what to do? When's the last time you sat with someone and heard their story and just listened to them and were available to be a friend to them? That's what bearing fruit is. And I'm going to tell you something. In America, wake up. You keep looking to your, your, your party to save us. Let me be real with you. There's no political party going to save America. You got that? You realize that? None of them are on Jesus' side. He's a king with a kingdom. You got to realize something. If Americans don't wake up in, this, in Christianity, we're in a Western mindset where we're individualistic and we want political parties to change things. What's going to change this country? are people that leave here that share the good news of the gospel and the love of Jesus with everybody they come in contact with. That's what their early church did. And people say, well, the gospel's in trouble in America. We need, we need Dobson to put another petition out or we're going to go under. They were under Roman rule. No 
freedom. And everywhere they went, they couldn't stop them, man. That was disciples bearing fruit. And I believe if we get in that place, we're like, man, I want to bear fruit. I want to see people far from God come to know Christ. I'm so glad that my friend skateboarded with me. And I was, man, I was nasty to him and about his God. And he shared the gospel with me. I ate the fruit of what God had done in his life. And now I'm here today. What fruit are people eating with you in your life? Here's the second secret of the vine. You guys okay with me? Amen. A guest, I'm usually not this fired up, but, but um, I was out a week, so I got to make up for last week. <laughs> the second point is this, we cannot produce our own fruit. We cannot produce our own fruit. And look at John 15, 4 and 5. The Apostle John says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do what? Nothing. Let's be real for a second. You can do a lot of things apart from God, can't you? Let's just be real. There's people with initiatives to feed the homeless or put shoes on kids overseas that don't know Jesus at all. Right? Can we be real about that? What Jesus is saying here, because you say, well, of course I can do a lot of things apart from Jesus. I can go and sin. I can go do a bunch of stuff. You know, I can have a good time without Jesus. What Jesus is saying here is this. Apart from him, you can make no eternal lasting impact that will last into heaven. No spiritual impact. Apart from from the Lord doing the work, you can't do it. And you have to remain connected in him and you can't produce your own fruit. Here's the thing, man. You, with your own good works, can't do it. Uh, Before I I come on stage, I I will pray. And this morning before our first worship experience, I just knelt down and said, God, I can spit out words. I can put together a good lecture. But without the Spirit of the living God speaking through me and me being surrendered to Him, it means nothing. No hearts will be transformed. We'll do church. People will go home and be the same. And I was dependent upon the Lord. I can't produce my own fruit. And you can't produce your own fruit. It takes us saying, God, I want you to work in my life. And the key is this. It's not generating your own things to do and coming up with stuff that you want to do. But it's being surrendered to the Spirit of God. It's partnering with God. Okay, that that campus in Richmond that we're going to launch. I did not push for that. Matter of fact, my wife and I were talking about it seven months ago, maybe, sweetheart. It was a long time ago, and we're like, man, that'd be so, such an awesome opportunity. But I felt like I should say nothing to our network overseer about that campus. Nothing. One day, he comes to me and says, hey, man, have you ever thought about doing a multi-site campus in Richmond City? Yeah, I've been praying about it. And we kept praying for several more months about it. And then finally, you know, the door opened where, where that campus um, came open for us. I didn't push for it. I'll be honest with you. I don't need something else to do. <laughs> I'm pretty busy. <laughs> but I didn't try to go push my way into it and jockey position and get what I wanted. I just said, God, if you're working there, I'll join you in that endeavor. But I'm not going to push my, my way into something to see it happen. Um, several years ago, we were painting a kid's room, me and my, me and my good friend, uh, Jim, and we're painting, and his daughter was around, around three years old then, and we're like got the big rollers out, and we're doing the, the man painting, 
I love rollers and painting like that. And she like says, can I help? I was like, sure, it's cute. We give her a little brush. She's painting. And she's just painting one spot for like 30 minutes. I mean, she's tearing it up. We had to go over and roll it again because she just it was dripping. It was bad. And when she gets done, she's cute. She's like, look, Daddy, I painted the room. She's like, oh, that's so cute. Yes, you did. And he was doing all the work, right? That's what it's like with us doing the work of God in the kingdom. I'm like, look, God, we had 40 people surrender to you in Easter. He's like, that's cute. I was doing the work. You were just doing this. The whole time. And it's the same way um, when partnering with God. I mean, you know, uh, God was already at work here in Chesterfield County before I got here. There were people praying for this place. Um, we, we, we have a, um, uh, uh, we'll say our oldest, our most mature members that, that joined up several uh, uh, months ago are in their 80s. And they said, we've been praying for a, a move of God here in this area for, for years. We believe that this is what we've been praying for. God was already at work here. When you walked in the door, if you raise your hand to receive Christ or won't pray, God was already at work before you got. I'm just join in with what God's doing, right? I'm not trying to do my own thing here. It's the same way is that if you're going to produce fruit, you've got to allow the Lord to do it through you. Partner with God. Um, Henry Blackaby in his book called Experiencing God says it this way. Don't ask God to bless what you're doing, but get involved with what God's already blessing. All right. Don't ask God, bless me in this and bless me in that. God, what are you doing? Where are you working? Let me get involved in that. I want to be a part of what you are doing, God. So you can do nothing of lasting impact or eternal value by just striving by doing works of the law. You've got to understand, Lord, your spirit's got to do it through me. I can't do it in my own. Here's your third point this morning. The third secret of the vine. We have to remain connected. See, you know, he wants us to bear more fruit. We can't produce our own, but we have to remain connected is number three to write in your notes. And look at John 15, 6. It says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now, look, Jesus doesn't say that's hell there. I don't know exactly what he means by that, but I know what he does mean. When you read the Bible, you've got to understand what it does say and what it doesn't say. And do not build a theology on what it doesn't say. So please say amen to help me out because that's how cults are started. What I do know is this. Seven times the word remain is used in this passage. The most consecutively. And John uses this word here, the writer of this gospel, more than anybody else. And this word remain there is the word that means dwell. Right? It means make permanent residence. And so Jesus is saying that we have to have permanent residence. Remain in him. And I think the idea is this, guys. For so many years, I didn't know that Christ dwelled in me and I dwelled in Christ. I thought every day I was in jeopardy. You know, you stump your toe and say a bad word and you're at the altar repenting because you're so scared you're going you're gonna to burn up. <laughs> I'm the branch. He's going to cast me out. He's going to break me and throw me in the fire and it's all over. I've got to get to church to repent. That's what I got got saved in, man. I tell you what, man, that was rough. I mean, the altars were worn out because we were so scared to death of things. I didn't realize what to remain connected really meant. I want to break this down for you. How do you remain if you're a Christ follower? Because sometimes you just like, you know, you have a bad day and you feel like God's not with you, right? You have a couple of bad days, you think God's left you. It's like the story I've shared so many times before. There was a couple that sat in one of those bucket seats together in the front of a truck. And when they dated, the wife sat right near uh, her boyfriend. And after they got married, 
the wife slid over. And one day she said, sweetheart, we don't sit beside each other anymore. What's going on? He says, I never moved. I've been driving the whole time. You did. See, that, that's how it is with God. God doesn't get mad and walk away from you because you do something bad or wrong. It's us that moves because we don't realize the truth of the gospel. So how do you remain? And the Holy Spirit does this work. I'm going to show you. You've got to understand your union with Christ. When you accept Christ, you live in Him and He lives in you. Do you realize that? It's a mystical thing that happens where the Holy Spirit of God comes to make residence in you. He regenerates your dead heart, spiritual heart. And he, and he comes to live in you, but not only that, but you're in Christ. So the Bible says that, that you're seated with Christ in Ephesians, Paul says that. And then it goes on to say that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So do you get that? See, I don't think we really understand it, especially if you come from Southern Church. Anybody come from Southern Church? Raise those hands high. Amen. All across the building. I see hands everywhere. I grew up in Southern Church. And there's a story of a Sunday school teacher who was teaching one day, you know, like eight-year-olds, and he catches this little boy named Billy with dip in his mouth during Sunday school class. <laughs> and he says, son, I mean, the boy had a dip bottle and everything. He says, what are you doing? So he goes and gets his dad from the other class and says, little Billy's dipping right here in class for everybody. And the dad says, Billy, I told you, don't you do that in church. You do that at home. <laughs> See, some of y'all got it. The first, first service. <laughs> and, and, and the issue is this. We think that there's, there's things that are acceptable in a building that we can do outside a building, not knowing that Christ is in you and you're in Christ. Anywhere you go, he's going with you. Right. He's in you. And that's not being condemning. That's good. That means just like Elijah, you can run 400 miles from where God has for you, and God's right there with you saying, I'm going with you. <laughs> and I'll give you the strength to get back. That's called the of being in Christ and Christ in you. And if you can remember that, you hear me? Well, look at me. Where's your believers class? Where's your doctrine class? It's right here. It's right here. Christ lives in you and you're in Christ and you're not in jeopardy every day, scared to death. Remain, dwell, live. It's beautiful. Here's the second work that the Holy Spirit does um, with remaining is understand our union with others. When you look around this room, you may not know names. You know why we do that thing after worship where you greet and say, I don't do that because I need something to do. We can just sit you down I can start preaching. Right? Pass buckets and sit down. Because you're sitting next to family. And the family of God, when you become a believer, are closer to you than your natural family. I've got family members that, man, I, I really hope that they are able to spend eternity with me. I ain't sure it's going to happen. I don't know. I got family in here that's closer than my blood family. And you got to realize that as a believer is that you need them and they need you. You can't sit at home and watch the guy on TV who's crying for your money and think you went to church. Oh, I went to church when I sat home and watched the preacher on TV. No, you didn't. Do you watch a guy talk for 30 minutes? You need believers in your life. You need people to encourage you, to surround you. And you cannot do this life alone. And you are mystically, by the Holy Spirit, connected to everybody in this room and the part of, of the family of God everywhere. Are you following me here? Well, when I was at that church planning conference this weekend, I saw all these church planters flood to the altar to stand and get prayed for because they were going out to start brand new churches. And my heart just ached for them. You know, it's like, I don't know these guys. 
Man, that's part of my family. That's my brothers out there, man. These guys are getting ready to go and bring their family into a war zone of starting a new church. You know what I did, man? I stopped worshiping and doing this, and I started praying for them. Didn't know them. Just stretched my hands out and said, Lord, I just pray for these brothers, man. My heart, because they're part of my family. And what we don't understand sometimes about remaining connected is we think that Christianity is being an individual doing our own thing. It is not. Jesus was asked. He said, your, your mothers and your brothers want to talk to you. He said, no, they're not my brothers and brothers. He said, those who do the will of God are my mothers and brothers and sisters and all that. He was essentially saying, I have a family that's closer than those guys are. Because we're all connected by the Holy Spirit and we're all on mission together. Here's the, the next thing too. If you're going to remain connected, not only are your union with Christ, your union with others, but your union to the Word of God. And I love this here. I want you to realize this. The Bible is... Are literal accounts of people writing letters to other people. It's beautiful. Read the New Testament, man. I, I love, I mean, I, I'm talking about, I love the Bible. I love it. Because it's not, don't ever call the Bible basic instructions before leaving earth. Never call it that. Burn your t-shirt, rip the bracelet off, throw it away. <laughs> it's not an instruction manual. Are there instructions in it? Yes. It is inspired, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul, who killed Christians, to write a letter to a guy he was mentoring named Timothy. How beautiful is that? He was on mission. You see these guys on mission, doing the work of God, inspired by the Spirit of God. And you know, some 2,000 years later, you share the same story. You're not in Ephesus, you're not in Thyatira, you're not in, in Asia Minor, but you're in Chesterfield, you're in Richmond, you're in Short Pump, and you're living on mission for God. I want you to realize when you read the Word of God and you read the book of Acts and you read these letters, you share in that. I love reading that stuff because I realize there were men on mission before me that were doing the work of God, that succeeded, that are now in heaven, and I share in that mission. You have a union with the Word of God as you read it. Remain connected. And let me close here with this. Your fourth point this morning is this. The secret of the vine, the fourth one, is we can walk in power when we are connected. We can walk in power when we are connected. Verse 7 says, But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. Let me clarify that for a second. Very abused passage of Scripture. You say, well, I could pray for anything I want and it'll be granted. And that's what we've had. We've got guys on TV saying, if you pray for Mercedes, God's going to deliver it. And Timothy or Andy, if you guys will come. So you could, I can pray for anything that will happen. Do you realize what the prayer is about here? It's about fruit. And here's essentially what Jesus is saying. He's saying that if you're on mission and you really love your neighbor and you want to see God work in a mighty way in your community, around your friends that don't know him, if you ask for that, you're going to see it. I promise you, look at this bald head. Don't ever forget this little face. <laughs> if you will start praying, God, give me entranceway into my neighbor's life. Their puppy pees in my yard every day and I don't like it, but I'm going to share the gospel with them. You must not have that happen to you, but okay. God, give me entranceway into my co-worker whose heart is so hard toward God. I want to see them respond to the gospel. God, I pray for my family. That if you start praying those prayers, 
You're going to see things happen. You start praying for Mercedes and your home and all the things you want, that's not bearing fruit. Fruit are for those who are not part of the vine yet. Amen? And Jesus is literally saying here to these disciples, these 12 disciples, I mean, Christianity started with 12 men. And he said, if you have a desire to see your community change and your friends change and your families change, you're going to see it. And you ask for it and you're going to bear fruit and it brings glory to my Father when you see people who aren't part of the vine eating the fruit of your life and your words, sharing meals with them, connecting with them. And Christianity went from 12 to now it's in the billions. The movement is much bigger than it ever has been before because these guys took Jesus' instruction of bearing fruit. See, you have power when you're connected. But for many of us today, as I close, we aren't connected. Now, some of you don't know Jesus at all, man. That's cool. It's okay. Because you're here today because God brought you. He drew you here. And you're like, I don't really know Christ. And you're talking about all this stuff and bearing fruit. Man, I'm not even a branch. I'm not even a part of the vine. But you know how easy it is to become part of that vine? You just say, Jesus, I believe that you literally died and you literally rose again. And you did it for me, for my sins. And you know once you believe that and you confess that, you're saved. Others of you here this morning, are you are a believer, but you're more like a branch. You're consuming, but never contributing. You sit, soak, and say, but you never go share the gospel with anybody. You're not serving the community. And you know that, man, I don't want to be a branch. I want to bear fruit. I want God to help me bear more fruit. And there's many of us today that are like that. If you will, bow your head and close your eyes this morning.